Hi everyone, it's Gracie and I'm back with you. It's been about 10 months since I released a podcast. I've missed you so much. I thought of you and wanted to come on here and share so many thoughts I've had about self-care. And alas, there have been some massive changes in my life and in the world and I haven't been able to until this moment. But I'm very excited about podcasting again. I have a lot of goodness in store for the next couple of months. There's a series I'm putting together on the confluence of magic and reality in our world, in our lives, what this means for our self-care, what this means for our activism. And I have a lot of great guests lined up over the next couple of months so we can have the depth of this conversation that I really want to be having because I think we need it. So I, this podcast today is just going to be me and I'm, I'm going to share a bit about how I see this, uh, this balance between really looking for magic, embracing magic, creating magic in our lives, and also, um, really embracing reality and welcoming in reality and working with reality in our lives in a way that don't, don't feel separate. So where do magic and reality come together? And I have some ideas on that, especially on the theme of how to be an adult, something I've been thinking about a lot as I've had some changes in my personal life as well. My daughter Rose was born at the end of February. I was been kind of thrust into a, a motherhood that I had not quite imagined where there was no childcare support due to the pandemic. It's been, um, it's been stressful. It's been really illuminating. It's been really wonderful in a lot of moments too. And I've learned a lot about what it means to mature and not just a, like, I'm pretending to be an adult, but what does it mean to really like put my preferences aside sometimes and, um, and be there for the people I care about and really be there for myself in a whole new way. So I'm going to talk about that in the podcast because there are, are some things that we can do that can help us with this if this is something you're trying to find in yourself right now. First, I have a couple of announcements, things I'm, I'm pretty darn excited about. One is that there are still copies of Self Carefully, the collaborative book I wrote with, um, with and through Thick Press and with an amazing designer and illustrator named Maria Habib. I know many of you out there have your copies. Thank you for getting them and um, sharing them with your friends. I get feedback all the time from people who just someone sent them a copy. And I, I love that this book can touch people um, that I would never have met otherwise. And we still have copies left from our second printing. There aren't that many left. I remember this time last year we sold out our first printing, which was really exciting. And I I want you to have them for your holiday gifts if that's interesting to you. It, this makes a great gift for someone in your life who's had a hard year and really who hasn't had a hard year. And it makes a really nice gift to someone that you just want to say, take good care of yourself. And, um, and what I've learned is that people don't always know what that means. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what that means all the time. And this is what I do full time. But really, it, um, it's nice to have a book that can accompany that. Um, reading self-carefully, it's an act of self-care in and of itself. You can open it to any page and, um, and just read a little vignette about what self-care means. You can see some beautiful images. The whole experience of holding it in your hands just feels like a warm, nourishing act. So get yourself a copy, especially if you've been wondering how to increase your self-care as we move into 2021 and um, please get copies for your friends and family because it, it, it is self-care is the gift that keeps on giving. Like we really, uh, the more we invest in it, the more that we will share it with ourselves, but also we will exude it out to other people. 
the next announcement I have is that I, I miss teaching. <laughs> I teach in the communities that are ongoing in my, in my uh, work, but I miss public offerings. I miss going to a studio and offering a class or a workshop. And so I'm offering a new year's day workshop. It's, um, I came up with this name. I just love it's called a sensational new year's self-care Jubilee with Gracie. It's a Zoom workshop, so we're going to do it virtually. And the cool thing about doing a virtual workshop is that you can come live in person on New Year's Day. It's going to be from 2.30 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Or if you can't make it, you can just um, get your entrance to it and then listen to it or watch it whenever you have the time. It's going to be really fun and quirky and um, life-affirming. Those are the the qualities that have come forward as I've started to plan it. I, I know that we've all had to deal with a lot of grief and loss this year. It's, um, my heart goes out to everyone who has to do that, who has had to do that, who will continue to have to do that. And what we need in these moments, um, is I think just a reminder that life is beautiful and valuable and worth fighting for. And the way that I access that is through beauty. It's through humor. It's through goofiness. Uh, I, it's one thing I'm really trying to bring out more in my work because it's such a big part of who I am as a person is just to be goofy and it's a little vulnerable too. So this workshop will definitely be a little vulnerable for me. I'm going to be sharing a lot of self-care information. So just about how to, how to really gear up for self-care in 2021. I think we have another challenging year ahead of us. I, um, I really want you to leave the workshop feeling very buoyant with hope and to learn how to source your hope in um, ways that are sustainable. So they're not based on just like when the vaccine rolls out, but really about how to dig deeper into yourself to find that hope in a sustainable way and share it with others. We're going to do my favorite, favorite ever life visioning exercise. It's something that I have done um, every moment in my life where I feel stuck that I've done this. I have created really transformational change on the other side. It's really simple, kind of like stupid, simple in some ways, but it's also um, an amazing activity that I know you will do again and again. So we're going to do that together. I'm also going to have some surprises, some mystery, some special guests. It's going to be a really wonderful time. So I hope you can come. And that is, again, it's January 1st from 2.30 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. It's a 90-minute workshop. I will record it for those who cannot be live. Um, there is a link to sign up in the show notes to this episode. And, um, and just one more thing I want to say about it is that a hundred percent of the money that you will pay for this, it's going to go to pay for teachers in the BIPOC community of the beautiful life collective, which is the ongoing self-care community that I run and BIPOC, it means black indigenous people of color. It is, um, something that has been a, a huge, uh, passion for me of just figuring out ways to support the self-care in the BIPOC community because when we support the self-care of people who are traditionally barred from self-care, historically barred from self-care in our culture, I think we start to liberate um, a culture itself. And uh, there are some wonderful teachers in our community that that um, need to be paid. And so I want to raise some money to pay them because uh, their time and their energy and what they're bringing to this world is worth a whole lot. So just so you know that that is where all of your money is going to go to for this workshop. Okay, those are the announcements. Again, check out the show notes for links to order self carefully and to sign up for the workshop. 
And now we're in to what I want to talk about in terms of magic and reality and how I'm framing this, this bigger conversation that will happen over the next couple of months. So when I um, think about how to be an adult, <laughs> what comes to mind for me is a lot of like shoulds. So the shoulds are like, I should like be stable. I should be economically stable. I should be emotionally stable. I should be able to like have a, a, a good home environment. I should pay my bills on time. I should schedule my doctor's appointments. And it, it's kind of this thing like adulting, quote, quote, which is a term that I think can be helpful sometimes. <laughs> and it just means about like how to do the responsible thing. But the problem is, is that when we only put emphasis on that, like I think it, the whole conversation of what it means to be an adult or what it means to get older, like it sucks the life out of it. It gets dry. It gets boring. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't really love doing things that are dry and boring and there's no life in them. And so I think about how do we balance that? And the word that comes to mind is a word that I feel like is really catching in greater society right now is talking about magic. And what does magic mean? What is this thing that makes us feel excited and um, like anything is possible and hopeful? I have a, a three and a half year old right now and he is full of magic. He is playing pretend all the time. He is seeing things that are not there, but he wants to see them. He is excited to wake up in the morning. He does not want to go to bed at night. And, um, and I realize how much in our culture we are told that in order to become an adult, you have to leave this part of yourself behind. And, and this, this goes a long way in just our whole like society and culture about how we don't value the arts. Like creativity is not something that we place a, a, any value on past just like playing or a hobby. And what we do is we, we, again, suck the joy out of it. And yet I also know that we can't just live in that magical state, that we need to be able to find the balance. So when I think about how to become an adult in this really like functional, self-care, sustainable, enjoyable way, I think about a Venn diagram. And that Venn diagram, imagine it here, it's one circle that says magic, and it can like, like be sparkly and lit up. And there's one that says reality, and that circle can have like, you know, like credit card statements and, <laughs> you know, uh, vitamins and all those things in it. And then that place where they intersect, that's the sweet spot of how to be an adult. I, I don't know where you need your strengthening right now. I think that some of us just tend to go more strongly to one than the other. I, um, I think for me, my, my journey has been a lot about learning magic. Like I, I like I, my foundation is actually in magic <laughs> and some of that is my history of my family. And some of you may know this, but probably not too many of you, but my family and my mom's side historically are Christian scientists and what people know traditionally of Christian scientists is that they don't use medicine. And even though my, my grandfather was in the military so my mom grew up actually using medicine to the degree that they had to through the military. And I grew up going to the doctor. I had all my vaccines, which is not, none of that is traditional of like a, a, a Christian science home. But the lineage and the thinking is still there. And what the thinking says is that if you are feeling sick, if something is going wrong, then the error is in your thinking. And that what, how you come back into wellness and health and is by figuring out where that aired thinking is, making a shift, and, um, and seeing the health come forward. 
for those of you who are all have known about like the secret of the law of attraction, you might be like, oh, that kind of sounds like that as well. And the idea is, is that we are, our thoughts have power to them, that we, by holding these like imaginative thoughts in our mind about what we want to see, what we want to envision, that we can actually like create the reality of that experience with us. So I, I grew up in, in a lineage that, that really prized this, that said like you have control over your environment by how you think about things and that like if you're not liking what you see, like go into your mind, create something. I had a huge imagination as a child. I, there were things in my childhood that were really uncomfortable in terms of my family life and um, trauma that I didn't know how to process and where I learned to escape was my imagination. I saw everything. <laughs> I had an amazing vision. I had worlds that I created in my mind. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized what a huge asset this is, that, that it's something that I've been able to carry forward. And I've also realized what an incredible incredible limitation it is for me to um, kind of believe that this is the way that the world needs to be in order to fix its problems. I think that um, so much of like what I, I learned in my, my growing up and even as I continued to become a yoga instructor, as I continued to like study Buddhism was something called spiritual bypass. And spiritual bypass is the idea that like people just get right spiritually, then they can just transcend any of the world problems. Lineages of thinking like this, what they do is they deny um, systems of oppression, particularly systematic structural racism, which is this conversation that we've been having over this past year in our country and for many years, but in like a bigger way around Black Lives Matter, which has been so important for me over these past years to actually come out of denial to say like, wow, like I, I grew up with an immense amount of privilege and I justified that to myself thinking that people needed to just, you know, some people say people need to work harder, but in my mind, I was like, people need to create more magic in their lives. And so to be able to, um, to really face that and know that and work with that and, and, um, practice activism and not a kind of airy fairy like you you do this way so I don't have to deal with the pain of your situation the pain of our culture um, has been a huge amount of growth and it's really helped me to become an adult in some very essential ways some other things you know around being an adult that I've had to cultivate are about um, just how to how to move through the world <laughs> how to pay my bills and uh, how to how to throw away socks when they have holes in them. <laughs> and these are I, I've gone to the like super important, which is about how to challenge like the, the structural oppression that, that comes in society to like the really small bits of reality of just like how do you deal with the day to day like like stresses and um, shit really that, that bogs you down. And and so what I'm saying here is that I, I don't think that one of those circles can work without the other. Because I still, I, for my activism, for my life, for my work, for how I want to show up and help people, for how I want to move through my days, I, I need a sense of magic. I still need to feel like I'm cultivating possibility. I love synchronicity. I love, um, that gives me hope. That gives me a feeling of energy in my life. And yet when I only rely on that without facing reality, I lose so much. And when I only look at reality without taking the, the magic, um, alongside it, I, I lose steam and I burn out. And so this conversation is the one about like, how do we put more uh, like of, uh, self-care in our activism and more activism in our self-care? How do we find these sweet spots? 
And just um, really briefly here, I have three things I want to mention that I think are kind of of the boring reality circle that actually, like, if we embrace them with the spirit of magic can be transformative. So the first of these things that really pertains to this outer layer of self-care that is so traditionally thought of as being self-care. And this is the self-care that, um, of like how to, how to have a body, how to exercise, how to eat. And this thing that I've, I've fought for so long, which is so boring, um, which are so powerful are routines. And what routines are, are about how we move through our days how we move through our weeks, how we move through our seasons and our years. It's about not feeling like you have to wake up and make, make your self-care new every day. Building self-care routines into my, um, my life was something that I started to do really actively about seven years ago, and it changed everything for me. I felt like I just found this ground that gave me so much more confidence, so much more ability to, um, to be a leader in my own life, to, to care for people around me. And it was just through like, I'm going to wake up consistently in the morning at around the same time. I'm not going to skip meals anymore. I'm going to um, make time to cook for myself. I'm going to go to bed at night instead of staying up on my computer. I'm going to make time to meditate and do a little yoga practice. And none of this is like a big deal. Those are not like huge practices that I do. And like right now as a mom, I, you know, my yoga practice is about five minutes of stretching and, and it's still really powerful if I make it consistent. And I love what Ayurveda teaches about routines is that when we are on a routine that is about um, waking up earlier, going to bed earlier, taking care of ourselves, what we do is we align ourselves with nature. It's called Dinacharya in Ayurveda. And when we align ourselves with nature, oh my gosh, that's when things get really exciting because that's where we start to find the magic. And the magic is, is that we are part of nature. And that should actually, I don't, I don't know if that sounds like magic to you because it still sounds like it to me. But if we really rationally think through that about how we would not be part of nature as human beings, like that doesn't make a lot of sense. And so um, the window into a very, very magical, like hooking up with the power of nature itself and feeling these energy shifts and starting to pay attention to them and, and cycling with the seasons cycling with the day, cultivating a, a deeper relationship to the sun, to the moon, um, to the water, to fire, to earth, to the elements around us, to air and space. All of that, the, the entry point into that is just the really boring thing about routines. So I hope just even in hearing that first example, you're like, oh, maybe these boring things are actually really magical and amazing. The second one I want to offer is this uh, pertains to the inner layer of self-care. So I, I say there are three layers. So the first is outer, like how we treat our bodies, how we move in the world, how we keep our homes. And the second is inner. And that's like how we, how we keep our inner gardens, how we understand and relate to ourselves, how we seek to know ourselves, how we share that with others even. And, um, and the really kind of boring thing that is so magical about this layer is learning how to feel our feelings. And it's one of those things that is so simple to be like, you got to feel your feelings. I think anyone who's gone to therapy, people kind of know if you're listening to this podcast, probably feeling your feelings are important. And the question and the feedback I get all the time is like, but how do I do that? Like, I don't, they don't come to me easily. I don't, I don't know. I know I need to do this, but I can't feel sad. I don't, I don't have a connected relationship with my anger. And, um, and what, 
I advise for feeling your feelings is that you have to look at where you have created a lifestyle out of not feeling your feelings. And what I like to call this is numbing. And what numbing is, is it's almost like pseudo self-care is these things that we do that kind of turn the volume down on our lives, that kind of make us feel a little bit better in the moment. And that could be, you know, watching TV is a big one for a lot of us, especially in the pandemic where we don't have a lot of other options. Having a few like glasses of wine every night, um, kind of like an overemphasis on certain kinds of food. I know for some people it's like eating sweets every night. Um, and like, it's not the sweets itself. Like I love sugar and desserts and all of that, but it's the fixation on it that can be the form of numbing and the using it as a way to kind of avoid feeling feelings. So this is if you've gotten some bad news and all of a sudden you like really start craving a brownie or a glass of wine, or you just like want to scroll on social media Social media is another one. Um, getting overly fixated in other people, be it like a love interest who's not returning our feelings and like an over fixation on that. I think that's a form of numbing. Um, this, like getting overly concerned with other people's problems that aren't ours, that can be a form of numbing. Uh, like look at your life because I'm sure you have them. It's, it's not a bad thing to numb. I think in a culture that's as like hyper stimulating as our culture, we need to have a few ways to numb every now and again. I, um, Micah, my husband and I, we have a ritual every Friday night around numbing where we just watch TV and we, I kind of know that's what it is. It's like, I just want to turn the volume down from the week and we've done it this way for a while and I look forward to it and, um, and it's good. And the thing that's important about numbing is just, you know, recognize that it's not exactly self-care that if I, you know, going to therapy is hard, like you don't always want to do it, um, going and exercising or like cooking a meal, like these things might, they take energy to put into them. It's not just like an escape, but like you will feel better having done it. Whereas like my Friday night numbing thing, like when I wake up in the morning, I don't, I don't think I've gained anything in my own development because of that. And so what's magical about feeling your feelings is that, oh my gosh, it changes everything. <laughs> like part of my spiritual bypass was around not feeling feelings that if I could just sort of like have the right yogic response for everything, I didn't have to feel my feelings. And that in a lot of ways was just a lot easier than having to get into some of the messy stuff from my childhood into the like just messy stuff of like what it means to be a human being and care about the world. But uh, once I started to do this um, and what helped me do this was getting some support. So that was, came in the form of like coaches and um, support groups I started going to a, um, a support group around growing up in a home with alcoholism. Super helpful. I started to feel a lot of feelings once I was in a community of people that were um, talking about this. Ther uh, therapists, therapy has been really helpful in this way too. Having good friends who are willing to like feel feelings themselves and uh, feeling those feelings together and not numbing or like looking at my relationship with numbing. So my whole life isn't about not feeling feelings that um, it changed everything. I had to get deep, deep, deep into my grief around my childhood. And it's, it's wild because as soon as I did that, like in a real way, uh, that I've been really wanting to meet a partner, feeling like I wanted family, but couldn't figure out how to make that happen. There were a lot of things. And for me, I like had to hit this main line of grief that I had spent my whole life avoiding. And, um, and I met Micah, you know, I'd already known Micah. He was, um, he was one of my yoga students, but we never dated while I was his teacher. But we got reconnected. We, some of you know the story, we got accidentally pregnant within um, two months of dating. 
And now we have two children um, and a really wonderful relationship. And a whole, I got a whole new life very quickly the moment I hit this mainland of grief. Are they connected? I don't know. Like, what's the relationship between magic and reality? But I do, I've been able to track my process that when I can feel my feelings, like these deep, hard feelings, um, and really feel them and kind of open my arms to them, like things change in my life. Things open up. There's growth in that. And I think that there's something so magical about that energy that if we don't just hold it in and repress it and push it down once we let it out and we let it flow, it, it has a form of magic to it. So there's something in being adult around like feeling feelings. And the last one here, this one I think is so pertinent and important at this moment, is um, it pertains to the layer of community self-care. And this is something I didn't know about when I first started teaching self-care. It was really, uh, my clients showed me that because we worked together in groups. I still really mainly work with groups because this layer of self-care is so healing and important and our society does not give us a lot of access to genuine community where we can be seen and valued and um, and heard and for and uplifted for us being ourselves, not just trying to fit in or be who we're supposed to be, but really just be ourselves and to have space to explore that. That's what I see as being a real community. And and this this really boring thing that's so revolutionary is being a good neighbor. Isn't that important right now? I feel the tenderness of that, and I feel where so many people have gotten off track around what that means. And I I think right now the being a good neighbor is so clear around the baseline actions of like you wear a mask when you go out and you, um, you limit the people that you are in contact with. Like part of what, you know, I've had to work with in this pandemic is around illness and sickness. Again, Christian science background that I've worked through is just like, I'm not immune. I'm not, I'm not exempt from this. And I feel that very strongly with a lot of people I have contact with. They don't think it's going to happen to them. And some of them, it has happened to them already. It's a highly contagious disease, a virus that we're, we're encountering right now that we're just, you know, in the moment by the seat of our pants trying to figure out. And so what we can do with each other is that we can be a good neighbor. And it's, and it's really hard. I, I felt this very strongly over the Thanksgiving break, which happened a couple weeks ago, was that um, certain people, they, they didn't want to change what they normally did with it. And um, there were some issues even within my own family that were highly, highly emotional and really challenging to work with about how how we can be there for each other and protect each other and still, you know, kind of honor like the sacrifices that we have to make for each other. I think moving forward, we're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices for each other that this, I, this um, value of hyper individualism that that our kind of Western culture, especially in the United States, has been built upon. It's not sustainable. Like when I look at what's moving forward in terms of climate change, in terms of really f- fixing the systemic racism and looking at reparations and looking at how to create true equity in our culture. So it's um, so it's continues to be a place where people can um, can live and exist <laughs> is. Uh, and I laugh just because I think so much of what my ethos was growing up was that the United States is a sure thing. We're going to be fine no matter what. And as I get older, I'm like, it's very fragile. I think we're in a really fragile place. And it takes it takes some like real digging inside and real self-sacrifice sometimes to be a good neighbor and to look at what that means. And yet I think that what so many of us are missing in our lives is this feeling of being connected to others, is this feeling of being part of a whole. 
is this feeling of not just kind of floating out in space by ourselves that nobody cares and that because no one cares, we don't have to care. And I, I just call BS on all of that, honestly, that if you really, I don't really think people don't care about each other. I think people just don't know how to be in touch enough with themselves to access what that means. And so we allow ourselves to lose focus and be manipulated and so being a good neighbor is about coming out of denial of those tendencies, about looking at how our actions really have impact on people around us, even people that don't look like us, people that didn't grow up like us, people that we might ever meet, and yet recognizing that we have we can access so much power and so much connection and so much really like love is the word that's coming to me by deciding like this is how I want to live my life and these are my values. Here's, a, here's an exercise. I'm almost done here. I wanted to talk for a half an hour and I'm right at that right now. But thank you for listening. An exercise that Micah and I did early on in the pandemic that's helped us so much was that we took a moment to really think of what our core value to navigate the pandemic has been. And my core value that just came to me so clearly was ease. That like I just, everything was so difficult. And every situation was so difficult. So it was how, how do we create ease in our experience? And then Micah's was a civic responsibility. And we, so every time we have to make a decision, do we send Jonah back to daycare? Do we, um, you know, do we go to the grocery store? Do we visit people? Do we not visit people? Are we um, inviting people into our homes? What is that? We come back to ease and we come back to civic responsibility. And those two things, I think, have really helped us be good neighbors. And I, I, I don't think that there are certain values that um, are better than others. But just as you find your values, my sense is, is that if we can really, really embrace those values and work with them, um, that they will help us be good neighbors to each other and they will help us come into community in a whole new way. So that's it. That's my, that's my introduction to this series. But as I said, we have a lot ahead of us. I have some really incredible conversations coming up over this next month of December, which is such a magical month anyways with the holidays, even in pandemic, I think we all can feel the magic. Um, and we're gonna talk about what that means in a really like practical way of how do we cultivate magic? What does that mean for our self-care? When does it go too far? And then as we get into January 1st, we get into reality. And that is around like, what does it mean to really like be in the world and, um, and face what is hard without losing our hope and our magic in the twinkling lights of our being. So I look forward to sharing all of that with you. Just a reminder, sign up for the New Year's Day workshop. Everything is in the show notes. Reach out. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. And as always, take really good care of yourself. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.